David Griffin and the New Orleans Pelicans know they are in prime position to take advantage of the trade market and get a big deal done. But what assets do they actually have to do that? And how is it ranked compared to other teams around the league? It's the Wednesday episode of Lockdown Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Wednesday, we've got a heck of a show for you. We're going to run down the Pelicans trade assets, compare them to other teams around the league, like the Oklahoma City Thunder, the San Antonio Spurs, the New York Knicks, yeah, them, the Utah Jazz, and even the Brooklyn Nets. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here, the number one Pelicans podcast, Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team, giving you the insight you want, the insider info you want. We're going to have some special stuff on Media Day, so stay tuned for next week. I cannot wait. I am so excited. And if you want to support the channel, comment down below on YouTube. And of course, become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday. And if you're an everyday, let me know in the comments down below on YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. So let's... Get into it. From the Anthony Davis trades, the or the Anthony Davis trade, the Drew Holiday trade, the Pelicans have a lot of assets and haven't really cashed them in. Yeah, there was the CJ McCollum deal. They've also used them kind of minorly in trades that brought in Jonas Valanciunas, shipping out Steven Adams. But if they wanted to go and make a splash, like a big name player, They are, at least in theory, in every conversation out there, as there are very few teams that match or exceed the number of assets that they have. And as this season, I think the next two years, really, are going to get interesting with team building. I was just recording Locked On NBA with John Corrales, and we were talking about if the Warriors should extend Klay Thompson or even look to, like, deal him. And this is a guy who led the league in three-pointers last year, by the way. Um... And if the Pelicans wanted to get in on that, they could. Any player out there, and the reason they might be looking to even move Clay Thompson, and they're not, it's just hypothetical, is because of the second apron and the way the new collective bargaining agreement, the CBA, is going to be so punitive towards so many teams that they're going to have to jettison some of these players. And the Pelicans then are in prime position to take advantage of all of that. So what assets do they have? How can they cash in with all this? So I figured we could run down their trade assets, talk about those a little bit. And to sum it up for you right here, through 2030, the Pelicans have a total of 10 first-round picks. They have seven of their own picks. They have one pick from the Lakers and two Milwaukee Bucks picks. I'm not including pick swaps in this, of which they have with the Bucks two of those. 
That essentially means you still have one first round pick, not two. It just means you get the better of the two. Let's say Giannis stays. Those swaps aren't probably going to come into effect and the Pelicans will stay with their pick. The Bucks will keep their pick. You saw this a couple of years ago, though, come into play when the Pelicans made the playoffs. The Lakers didn't and the Lakers ended up with the seventh overall pick. And well, that became the Pelicans, and they took Dyson Daniels with that selection. So those could come into play, and we'll talk about it briefly, but they still then have the same number of first-round picks. They also have two second-round picks to trade. They've used a lot of those. Keep that in mind later, because that's something we're going to talk about in the next segment that I do think kind of becomes a big deal. So to run it down by the year, this upcoming season, after this upcoming season in 2024, the Pelicans have their own first-round pick. And they have an option on the Lakers' first-round pick. They can have the Lakers' first-round pick in either 2024 or they can delay it a year, defer it a year, and get it in 2025. So that Lakers pick is kind of at their choice, now or later. I believe they can make the determination on that after the season. So in theory, this draft could have two first-round picks. In 2025, they have their own Pelicans pick. They have one of the Bucks picks unprotected, so at least two first-round picks, and that Lakers pick potentially. So they could have one first-round pick in 2024, but three in 2025. In 2026, they have their own pick. In 2027, they have their own pick, and then they also have a Milwaukee Bucks pick. That pick could be valuable. And there is also a pick swap with the Milwaukee Bucks in 2026 as well, and this upcoming draft too. That Bucks pick in 2027 could be valuable. We did a whole show on this about Giannis potentially leaving the Milwaukee Bucks, requesting a trade or walking in free agency. That team's going to be rough if that's the case. Drew Holiday likely retires then. Chris Middleton's not going to be enough to carry that team. They go through a lengthy rebuild, and basically the Pelicans control their future. That 2027 Bucks pick, if Giannis isn't there becomes very, very valuable. It's also valuable maybe to the right team that is banking on Giannis not being there. That's a gamble that could be worth taking. You know, do you want that pick? Do you want the Pelicans pick? Maybe you want to go after the Bucks pick on the off chance that Giannis isn't there and that pick skyrockets up in value. Those are some of the calculations that goes into evaluating these trade assets for New Orleans. You know, in 2028, 2029, and 2030, they have their own pick, just one pick each of those years. So all told, it's 10 first-round picks and two second-round picks to trade. Those Bucks picks, again, could be very, very valuable. That Lakers pick likely isn't going to be that valuable this year or next. You know, the scenario where it could be is injuries, and we're not rooting for injuries. We don't do that, you know, especially with the karma that we have here in New Orleans, But if LeBron James misses time, that team's in a little bit of trouble. If Anthony Davis misses time, we know that's a very realistic possibility. You know, if they both miss time together, that team, which has a lot of like solid talent top to bottom as role players, still, you're not making it that far with just a team of role players and not your two stars. So those that Lakers pick while on the surface doesn't look great. You know, you're kind of gambling on bad luck for another team, which isn't, you know, terrible when it comes to those two guys. They've missed significant amounts of time over the past couple of seasons, and their Lakers are basically one or two injuries away from their season really being dismantled. Now, granted, who isn't, but it seems like it's more more likely to happen to them than it would be to other teams, potentially, you know. 
maybe not more so than New Orleans, where we're already dealing with injuries to Trey Murphy and Jose Alvarado with all of that. But 10 total picks, first round picks in two seconds is a pretty good spot to be in. And that's not even mentioning players, right? Trey Murphy has a lot of value around the league, I think. I think teams would really like him and are really high on him and what he can do as a shooter and score in this league, particularly with good size. You also have a guy like... Herb Jones, who's on a very tradable contract that as a lockdown defender has a lot of value, particularly if that three-point shooting still comes up. CJ McCollum doesn't have a ton of value around the league, I don't think, particularly on that extension. But, you know, for salary filler, that works. It's not like his deal's too long, and I do think it's kind of reasonable, and he's a very good locker room guy that maybe a young rebuilding team wouldn't hate bringing in. Dyson Daniels definitely has some value around the league, I think. The... Portland Trailblazers were very high on him, debating between him and Shaden Sharp in the draft the year they were both drafted when they went six and seven. So there's stuff here that I think people around the league like. Certainly Zion would have value, BI would have value, but let's say they're not trading either of those two as they try and kind of build around the core group here. They're in good position because some of these picks, particularly those later Bucks picks, could have a ton, a ton of value, or even those pick swaps could have a lot of value. So how does that stack up, though, to Brooklyn, to the Utah Jazz, to the New York Knicks, the Spurs, the Thunder? I'm going to run down what they have and explain where I think the Pelicans fall in comparison to that. So if we're looking at teams that like could make a deal for Giannis, let's say, who's most likely, who's not, the Pelicans are right in the thick of that. And I'll explain why coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should feel empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you the peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. We have to evacuate from hurricanes all the time. If you run out of your medications, can you get in touch with a doctor? Can you get antibiotics? Not necessarily. You need to have something on hand so that you're not caught unprepared. This should absolutely be in your hurricane kit. Because Jace Medical makes sure you have the medications in hand. And Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy, medication delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. So don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code Locked On at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's jacemedical, J-A-S-E, medical.com. Thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today. And every day, we're here, Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team, the number one Pelicans podcast. We're back to five days a week. Got some great stuff planned for Media Day. I'm getting a little bit more access than I normally do. I'm excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I can't wait to show you what's coming. We're going to be having some new types of coverage this year, too. we got the Locked On Pelicans Insiders Group on subtext. The link is down below in the description. I'll put it into the comments as well. You get my secret inside info there with everything. I can't wait to tell you more as the season gets going on. Get a 14-day free trial. Use it for media day. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to get a lot of content coming to you that day for everything. And I'm not going to be using other forms of social media near as much. So if you want to interact with me, you can text me on that. I get it right to my phone. I can see what you're saying. 
can respond right back to you. So it's a great way to be a little bit more personal with y'all. If you don't like it, you don't need to worry about it. The show's still going to be free in five days a week for y'all. We'll still be doing the live shows Thursday at 7 p.m. See you there this week, as well as during the season as well. Now for your second listen, go get an update on Derek Carr. Is he going to play? Is he not? What's that AC joint injury like? Ross Jackson breaking down everything over at the Locked on Saints podcast. Any black and gold info you need, he's the man to go to. So we just went over the Pelicans' picks and their assets, right? We're focusing more on picks than players here, but we can talk a little bit about players too. 10 total first-round picks, two second-round picks. They're short on second-round picks. Keep that in mind as I talk a little bit about some of these other teams and their trade assets here. So let's run down some teams that I think are kind of in competition with the Pelicans for the most attractive trade package in terms of picks and things like that that you could put out there. You have the Brooklyn Nets who have seven picks, five second round picks, and three conditional second round picks. So they could have eight second round picks. That's going to be a theme with basically all of these teams. That comes from, you know, trades of Ben Simmons, of, you know, James Harden, and, you know, other things like that Kevin Durant all of those are kind of included in there. So they're not the most like tantalizing picks. They have picks from the Sixers. They have picks from the Suns. Those picks aren't going to be good anytime soon. You have the Utah Jazz who have 11 first round picks. They have two seconds, maybe four second round picks, but their picks are kind of diversify. Diversify your assets, everybody. They get some from the Cavs who if Donovan Mitchell bolts might not be good. The Timberwolves, what's going on there? And then they have a Lakers pick as well. You also have the New York Knicks, who have 11 first-round picks. But here's the thing with those. Four of them are pretty heavily protected or not going to be in the top four at all. So, yeah, you have 11, but it's closer to like seven realistically good first-round picks. Where they start to kind of jump up is they have 10 second-round picks that could be as many as 16 second-round picks, six conditional second-round picks. Then you have the San Antonio Spurs. Unprotected picks from the... Atlanta Hawks in the deal for Giante Murray. So they have nine first round picks. They have 16 second round picks that could be as many as 24 second round picks. This all, by the way, goes through 2030. And then you have the Oklahoma City Thunder, who probably have the most trade assets ever acquired in NBA history. They have 14 first round picks, 14 first round picks. Some of those are protected, but they come from teams like the Rockets, who are not great yet. The Clippers, who are one or two injuries away from being in a similar boat as the Lakers. The Utah Jazz, that you know may or may not be good just yet. The Miami Heat, that one's not going to be great. The 76ers, who knows what's going on there. And the Denver Nuggets. So a smattering of teams, both good and bad. They also have 19 second round picks. I think they have seven in one year alone. And can get up to 25 second round picks. So here's the thing. When you look at, say, the Knicks, right? Those 11 first-round picks, and let's say they're 11 first-round picks, you know, aren't great, but they're protected. So some of those drop off. The Pelicans have more attractive first-round picks, I think, than the New York Knicks do. So does that mean we're putting the Pelicans trade package above the New York Knicks? Yes and no, and I'll explain why. In terms of just first-round picks and the value that those have, the Pelicans are better than probably anyone other than maybe the Thunder and maybe the Jazz. I think their picks are better than the Spurs. I think they're better than the Knicks. I think they're better than Brooklyn's. The second round picks, though, are important for getting deals done. 
the Pelicans had to use four first round picks to offload Devontae Graham's contract, bring in an expiring deal that they then, then didn't re-sign, Josh Richardson. That use you, you need assets to do that. Would they be able to move Kyra Lewis Jr. today, duck under the luxury tax if they had more second round picks? Probably. Would that let them potentially sign someone else in free agency then as well? Yeah. But they don't have those second round picks to be able to get someone to take on that contract and it's actively hurting them. Say you swing the trade for the star player. You bring in a big name. You use those first round picks. You need those second round picks to then tweak the edges of the roster and the Pelicans are lacking in that. So yeah, the Knicks could bring in a star player and then go, oh, we need to dump some money or we need to add this other thing. Your second round picks are what's really going to help you with those very minor deals. I've started hearing this week around the league that Buddy Heald might not go for a first round pick or even two first round picks because he's an expiring contract. So it's going to be second round picks that get that deal done because no team wants to overpay. Well, if you have, you know, 10 second round picks, could you trade four of them, six of them for Buddy Heald? Yeah. You need those picks to get deals done. They also have exceptions now against the salary cap. And as the salary cap for contending teams gets a little bit more punitive and you need exceptions because you're an over the cap team to sign players, those second round picks have more value. I have been a big believer that second round picks do not have a lot of value around the league until this past season after talking with folks and seeing the new collective bargaining agreement, they're being used as a different kind of currency and the Pelicans are lacking in that. The Thunder can get whoever they need, dump whatever contracts they need, or even use those second round picks to clear roster spots to take back more players than you're sending out because that's how you kind of just like grease the wheels on all of these sorts of deals. So New Orleans, it would be great for them to try and acquire some second round picks, maybe even trading, you know, that Lakers pick or something like that for multiple seconds wouldn't necessarily be the worst thing. You don't do that until like the draft, but replenishing the second round pick war chest is important. But in terms of the first round picks, which are how you're going to get a deal done for the star player. I think the Pelicans are in good position. In terms of players, you know, the Jazz have some very intriguing young guys. I don't really think the Spurs do. The Knicks have one or two guys that are okay. Brooklyn, not so much. You know, I think some of the guys they have outside of Knicks Claxton are very one-dimensional. Love Cam Thomas, but is a scorer, that's it. Slightly undersized with certain things. The Thunder have a bunch of young guys that you could use to really get any deal done. And so that's the team that I truly think is rivaling the Pelicans if it were to be like... Giannis, they might just go all in, trade some really intriguing young guys and still be okay because they've done this rebuild pretty well to just load themselves up. Do you think the Pelicans are above these teams? Where do you think they rank with the Brooklyn Nets? Seven first round picks, eight second round picks, Jazz, 11 first, four seconds, Knicks, 11 first, maybe 16 seconds, the Spurs, nine picks, 24 seconds potentially, the Thunder, 14 first and 25 second round picks is absurd to say. Where do the Pelicans with their 10 picks and two seconds fall into all that? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube or on the Locked On Pelicans Insider group. You can just DM me, text me. It's pretty cool. It's really great. It goes right to your phone. It's awesome. All right, coming up next, ESPN NBA survey results are in. It's kind of intriguing. I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here on something not to do with the Pelicans that I just find fascinating about this, but no Pelicans represented on anything concerning not concerning what's that say about the team. I'm going to tell you that's going to be coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And 
thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know. Like I said, join the Locked On Pelicans Insiders group. It's a 14-day free trial. It's $4.99 a month after that. I'm going to be way less active on Twitter. If you want to interact with me, give me your thoughts on things. You can text me right from your phone. You'll get updates before games, during games. You're going to get some secret inside info when I hear rumors and things like that around the team. That's where this is all going to go. Give it a shot for 14 days. If you don't like it, that's totally okay. You just don't subscribe and the podcast is still here. I'll still be talking to y'all in the YouTube comments and everything. So... Let's get into the NBA survey, the League Insider Survey. They get 15 insiders around the league that represent, I think, coaches and GMs, front office people. It's a number of things. And they go through questions like, who is the NBA's best player right now? Who will be the best player in five years? Who will win MVP, rookie, all of those things. What did we learn from this and how does it relate to the Pelicans? But before we do that... I do want to start on this, which is kind of mind-blowing to me. The first question of who is the NBA's best player right now of the 15 votes they had, Nikola Jokic got 13 of them, Giannis got two. Here's the line that gets me. Over the first four seasons ESPN conducted this survey, Jokic didn't receive a single vote in this category. He was a two-time MVP during the time the survey was done and didn't receive a single vote as the NBA's best player. This speaks to rings cultures. This is something that I've been screaming about on Locked On NBA since like February. By the way, I'm there every Wednesday. Make that your second listen today. Me, John Krause, Locked On Celtics covering everything around the league, the biggest stories around the association. We're there every single Wednesday. It's a lot of fun. The big time national show, which gets like 30,000 views an episode, something like that. It's awesome. Anyway, we... I've been saying that people, you know, Jokic, looking back on it, probably was deserving, should have been the MVP this year. Didn't get it because, you know, he hadn't had playoff success. So can you give him three straight MVPs or even just three MVP awards, which puts him in a category with like Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, all-time greats, like not even all-time greats, but like all-time greats, all-time greats, right? That's like a pantheon right there. Is Jokic belong in there if he doesn't have an NBA title? And I think and you know NBA award voters said no. They were looking a little too much at the history of this as opposed to kind of your goal, which is who's the most valuable player this season, and it, it was Jokic. But now that he won the, the finals and finals MVP, this dude could win 10 MVP awards and no one would bat an eye anymore. It just speaks that you got to get a ring in your career. It's why Chris Paul's chasing a ring on like the Golden State Warriors and things right now even if he won't really have a hand in that and is on kind of the coattails of all of those guys he wants one because it matters for the legacy and this just kind of frees Jokic up to get all the awards basically at this point in time but no one from the Pelicans listed there that's fine what what really got me was the second question of who will be the NBA's best player in five years Luka Doncic won this with six votes okay sure Anthony Edwards won this with, or was second with three. Jokic had two. Wembenyama had two. Shea Gilgis Alexander won, and Jason Tatum won. I don't mind Luka Doncic getting that. He's going to run into the same problem that um, Jokic has run into if he doesn't have playoff success, make a finals, win a finals with the Dallas Mavericks. Certainly, right? You know, he's that might hold him back from winning MVPs and things like that in the future. 
because we've seen that now kind of as a precedent in how voters think. Anthony Edwards is up there probably on a recency bias from his run with Team USA where he's a bucket getter. It's good. I don't know if I put him over Shea Gilgis-Alexander or Jason, uh, Jason Tatum with the two-way ability that both of those guys have, but he's a certified superstar level player, I think, in terms of being a scorer, and he's not bad defensively either. So no Zion, though, which is kind of, you know, Surprising, but not surprising. And it, it speaks to this, and this is what we're going to talk about in tomorrow's show. No one's believing in this Pelicans team. It's a prove-it year. I've said it's make or break a lot, but it's also a prove-it year. You know, what I want to talk about in tomorrow's show is why are people kind of down on the Pelicans? And why should you not be down on this Pelicans team? Why are we looking at this team to be better than last season when it's the same roster outside of, and this is the most obvious answer to that question, health. There's more to it than that that I think people around the league don't really see. And we're going to hammer some of those points home in tomorrow's show for you. But to not see, you know, Zion even get one vote there with how good he can be, it says kind of about how the Pelicans are viewed and almost like their star has fallen a little bit with all of this. You know, the fourth question in this one was who will be the best 2023-2024 rookie not named Victor Wembanyama in five years. Scoot Henderson ran away with this one, 11 votes. The Thompson twins then split the remaining four votes, three for Amen, one for Asur. Yep, everyone believes Scoot Henderson is kind of the truth and going to be a fantastic player, and it's why the Pelicans were were hot on him and kind of really going after him uh, during this offseason, including showing some stuff with... Sharing some info with, you know, Zion to them, with potentially Brandon Ingram, all of that too, I think, says a lot about the player that the Pelicans could have had here. So, which team had the best offseason? Pelicans not falling into that. What's good is, which team had the worst offseason? They're not on that one. You know, when you look at that, the voters really didn't like teams that stood pat, like, whatsoever. And then there were also some moves that they didn't like, but teams that just did nothing, the Toronto Raptors, you know, losing a guy with Fred Van Vliet not really doing enough to replace things. You know, that was something that I think teams really didn't like. The Chicago Bulls not doing much of anything was a problem. The Miami Heat losing some role players, but not still yet getting Damian Lillard or the big name player they need. And the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, having a lot of drama with James Harden wanting out, even though they still have him. No one voted for the Pelicans there, at least, which is, I think, good. So that at least gives me a little bit of hope that teams are just, people are just kind of like blah around the Pelicans here. Final thing I want to touch on, which is eye-opening. We talked about this more on Locked on NBA today. What's the most impactful change to the CBA? The second apron where things get really punitive. And this goes back to what we were talking about with the Bucks. Of if you're in there, you can't trade first round picks really. You lose the mid-level exception. You can't sign buyout guys. You're just limited on the team building that you can do. You know, a lot of teams have just said, we got the money, we'll spend the luxury tax, that's that. You can't just spend the money anymore. You just can't outspend, a West executive said. It's not the financial penalty. Now it's impacting picks and future flexibility too. That is going to have a massive impact around the league and tear teams down. The Warriors are even coming out and saying through reports, of course, that they're not going to get into the second apron because you can't do anything. Maybe they lose Clay Thompson over that. If they're worried about something with the money that they have and what they've been able to do for almost 10 years now being competitive says something. That's something to keep an eye on just overall when it comes to the NBA. 
So I always find these ESPN NBA survey results interesting. We'll get the GM survey soon too from NBA.com and of course break that down here on the show. Media Day next week. We're going to talk about tomorrow why the team's better than you think. This has been the Locked On Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with y'all tomorrow.